and welcome to the Dead Darlings podcast. I'm Rebecca Cooney. I'm Barry Eves. And I'm Hannah Hutzper. Dead Darlings is a monthly podcast for the spoken word community in London and beyond. Each month we'll be bringing you interviews, tips, inspiration and above all, awesome poetry from London's spoken word scene. We'll also be telling you what's on and where you can submit your work. This month we'll be interviewing Amy Aker and Jake Wildhall, the team behind independent poetry publishing company Bad Betty Press, and chatting about Through Your Blood by Toby Campion. Probably worth saying at this point that we have Jake and Amy with us. Hello! We'll be bringing you one of our favourite poems we've heard this month in our live Poem of the Month section. It's Rhiannon Fields, live at Spoken Word London. But first, what have you guys been up to this month? So, I went to an unusual gig at because it was on the Golden Hind, the ship, the yeah. Sir Francis Drake replica, yeah. hosted by Sophia Blackwell, who is fantastic. Like, the first time I had a chance to pick a book, I went for hers. And it was a really unusual night. It was gorgeous. You were like walked past trunks and cannons and then duck <laughs> your head. Sand, sand poetry show, really, <laughs> poetry we we need anyway. more ballistics. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we need more ballistics. <laughs> Depends who's performing. <laughs> the ability to throw people overboard if you don't like it. Yeah, no. Um, it was a gorgeous night. Really unusual, um, but really, really lovely with um, Pete the Temp and mm. Faye Roberts, who came down from Cambridge especially. It's a weird thing to point out, but probably one of the broader selections of ages that I've seen at Poetry Nights. You often get sort of late teens to mid-thirties, or you get people who've been doing this for decades amongst themselves. But it was a really, really nice sort of cross-section. Um, and I heard a poet called Joe Duggan, who I'd not heard before, and I really, really, really loved his stuff. Um, I'm going to probably be trying to track him down for Poem of the Month at some point in the future. (laughs) Genesis Poetry Slam was reliably excellent and Rick Dove won and is going through to the Royal Albert Hall. Um, Actually, Rick Dove performed... It's going to be the final. Final, which with the chance ago. Sorry, yes. Um, But I also saw... He was one of the poets who performed uh, on the Golden Hind and he actually did... He did the same three poems each time because Genesis Slam is a three-round slam. You get three opportunities. But he has got three incredibly powerful poems and it's Black History Month. Or it was when I when I was visiting it. But like he had the most just incredible honed and they really, really worked together, the three of them. Um, and it was just awesome seeing him. Yes. <laughs> it was it was a killer set on Golden Hind. And then like a few days later, I saw him win a slam with it. I was like, yes, yes, mate, you <laughs> practiced that. That's perfect. Um, yeah, that was really cool. Well, I hosted uh, Insights LGBT Open Mic Night at Phoenix Arts Club. This time they've got a giant... Sorry, I'm on venues rather than anything else. This time they've got a giant theatre backdrop. It was this painted renaissance scene of the kind of like when you're waiting for the theatre to start because it's like right around the back from Phoenix Phoenix Theatre. Yeah, so I I feel like more dramatic settings for poetry gigs (laughs) is something I would really love to see. Yeah, you seem to be doing that a lot this month. (laughs) Yes. How about you, Laura? Wow. I can't, I don't, I'm not even sure if it was this month or the tail end of last month. It was just after we recorded the last podcast. Uh, you and I, Rebecca, both went to see Jasmine Gardosi at the Tate Modern, mm-hmm. um, which was a very fancy place to go and see yeah. a poetry, um, poetry performance. Not even like a show, just a very, like a, re- a book launch and a reading, yes. I guess. Yes, so it was from her new book, Hurts, which mm. is really cool, like as a concept. Yeah, it's about a future, it's sci-fi by the way, mm. it's uh, a future in which uh, hurt is quantifiable, so you can say like, I'm feeling X on the pain scale, and people go, oh yeah, I get that, because you're, you're a four today, um, 
and also pain relates to colour. Yeah. So there's like a really, really great poem in it called Burgundy um, about like, oh, the doctors say I have Burgundy. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, it's yeah. really awesome. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as soon as she was like, yeah, so the concept for this book, I was like, yeah, okay, there's a concept, I'm in. Um, <laughs> so that was nice. Um, she was awesome, reliably, as always. Um, and it was just a lovely evening. I also went to a really fancy poetry night. I went to the Faber poetry, like, 90th anniversary show thing, which I felt very out of place at. Um, <laughs> and I have some mixed feelings about, like, that output and but like there was some amazing poetry there mixed feelings have go on oh mixed feelings in that i don't like their cover art and i think it's elitist and tell us how because i think if you print a book without with just the name of the poet and the title on the cover you're relying on it being a favor book to sell it rather than on the information about the book and I think that is a problem that keeps people from accessing poetry books um, that could appeal to them because you have to already be in the know. And I think that's a problem. Having said that, uh, there were some amazing poets there. Uh, oh, because there's nothing on the back. Sorry. There's nothing on the back. back. There's nothing on the back. There's nothing on the front. There's no art. And the standard font, is it the same, all standard the same colour? Because like palette colours. Yeah. Like there is a small publishers that replicate mm. that front style. Yeah, but, there's, but they've at least got a blurb. Nothing on yeah. the back, there's nothing. Is, on it. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no go on. So, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, just to me, it's, it it looks beautiful on the shelf, but it it's also saying this is not for you. This is not to touch, mm. and that I have a problem with. It's so iconic and like it is iconic. It's beautiful, those, it? like, but it relies on you going. Either I know this is Faber, so it's going to be great, or having heard of the poet already. There's no browse no, entry point. I, I completely understand what you're saying. I'm not saying I disagree, but like I think when you've been around for so long, you start to be able to brand yourself as something and sell yourself as Faber. Mm. And I don't know, like I think they've got fans, mm. and so they brand themselves to those fans. I guess I worry that, you, that that's putting that brand above the writer and the and the writing also this is this is a bit of a sidebar but faber is a big enough house to have budget and it's so deliberately lo-fi that it kind of annoys me on the kind of like jam jar cocktail front <laughs> like i don't mind my bohemia cheap and scrubby but when posh people do cheap and scrubby to be all authentic cheap and scrubby. i think no. it looks beautiful okay that not that i'm saying faber yeah. covers are cheap and scrubby but there's there's a yeah. deliberately lo-fi... That would also be a very clever way of not paying for picture rights if you couldn't afford picture rights. Mm. So let yeah. me tell you about the amazing favour books I've just read. No. <laughs> I then went over, went away because some of the books were amazing and bought. Mm. I've bought too many books this month. I, I've spent way too much money on poetry books. Um, oh yeah, I was admiring your... You posted a picture of all the books I you've got. I posted a picture of like um, bookshelf porn. I actually yeah. think I've booked... Bought and read 12. Have you read this? Because I thought this was... Oh, cool. my God, yes. This is working well for radio, guys. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's so explain what we're talking about. We're talking Republic. Yeah, oh, Deaf right. Republic okay. by Billy <laughs> Kaminsky, who was at the Faber thing um, yes. and yeah. read. Making a we both just read that. It's, it's phenomenal. unbelievably like, good. It's joint best thing I've read this year with Surge. Mm. by yeah. Jay Bernard Surge is literally in my bag and I haven't read it yet they oh are they're, uh, yeah. they're phenomenal so Uwe Kaminsky's uh, Death Republic it's a well, it's a concept it's a story it's a narrative collection yeah, isn't an, it yeah it's a narrative 
but the poetry in it is so beautiful. I can't get that line out of my head. God will ask, why did you let all this happen? Why did you we'll let ask this happen? We'll ask it? God, why did, did you no, let no, all no. this happen? Yeah. yeah, why did you let this happen? And yeah. the answer will be an echo. Why did you why let, you let, let this, happen? this happen? Yeah. I think that's like, and there's, you know, it's just so, per- like, I think the whole thing is kind of perfect to a word. It's stunning. It's stunning. I thought it was stunning. So to people who've not read it, Hello, Rebecca. It is a collection which tells the story of a like fictional country or, or town that is invaded, kind of, by a militia and and the kind of struggle to kind of overturn that. And it's got characters that carry on throughout the poems, and it's it's definitely it tells a story. Um, oh, definitely, it's like mm. a it's like a short Fiction story. Novel. It's a yeah. Fiction but, as yeah. well as, it's yeah. a kind of a parable as well, isn't mm. it? Mm. Like it definitely. seems to be a lot about the way we bear witness to things and whether mm. we choose to get involved or to let them happen and how much we can be and culpable or participate or and the kind of conflict between like people who sit and watch and stay quiet and people who take action and like those people who take action kind of being looked down upon by Mm. people who do nothing and just let things happen it's really interesting like the scenes at the end when yeah yeah anyway it's yeah. weird it's, a, it's poetry but you can spoil those spoilers <laughs> they're, they're spoilers right it's really weird but it's amazing to me the way the the narrative hangs so perfectly and yet each poem on its own is also such yeah. a thing of beauty like it's it's doing something ingenious and then it's doing it it feels like just the best way that it could have been done the mm. execution is the word I'm looking for yeah, yeah. it's um, a beautiful book um, so I read that yesterday um, yeah other ones on the list are Mary Jean Chan's Flesh, which is also on Faber, which is another beautiful book. I read Heidi Williamson's The Print Museum. Has anyone read that? That's a really interesting book on Blood Axe that has one of the best like opening lines I've read in anything in ages, which was something like, the tree that haunts this page spreads out in your palm or something like that. It's just like, ooh, okay, I really want to read this now. I'm going to shut up about what I've read. I've read a lot of books this month. That's that's the That's the upside of it. Um, <laughs> oh, and I read. Um, just for for the benefit of uh, radio <laughs> listeners, Amy and Jacob peering over at Laurie's long okay. list I'm of things the, he just has read. I know you've read a, I'm just going to do the list. Mm. I'm going to do the list. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've read Heidi Williamson's <laughs> The Print Museum. I've read Wendy Cope's Two Cures for Love, which is Ooh. an anthology of uh, poetry since 1976, um, which was beautiful. I've read Jasmine Gardosi's Hurts, which we've already mentioned. I read Bridget Minimal's Titanic, which is really, really cool. Carl Burkett's Living in Colour. Um, he's mm. in the Bad Betty Alter Egos anthology, um, yes, which we'll great. probably touch on in a bit. Uh, Mary Jean Chan's Flesh. Uh, Joe Dunthorne's O Positive. Anya Koenig's uh, Advice for an Early Child. There's, there was a... Mm, there well we're well you obviously you know she's in all goes, but also we're publishing her collection next next year animal experiments which we're working on at the moment and it's it's fantastic it's going to blow you away cool i have read bertram geezerbird's halt uh acorns um the body you're in by phoebe wagner which is on bad betty press funnily enough we'll be talking about that in a little minute also, it's probably worth just mentioning that the D.S. Elliott Prize nominations are out, as well as Death Republic, which we've already talked about by Ella Kaminsky. Roger Robinson's A Portable Paradise is on. Yeah, is which we it. reviewed two episodes ago. Two episodes two ago. Two episodes ago, yeah. That's a great book. Um, Jay Bernard's Surge, which, Jay, you were just saying is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's phenomenal. A lot of it is about the New Cross fire. 
Mm. Um, and there's a poem in it that is is just so it's like almost in song. And I saw them do it at Jaw Dance, and it just blew me away. It's it's just really beautiful. It's you know it's about gender, race, and the new crossfire and their experience, Jay's experience of of those things. Um, it's yeah. like it's really really sort of deeply researched yeah um similarly to deaf republic it's just a really really clear and cohesive concept but yeah. each poem stands alone and is very beautiful so it's yeah it's yeah, perfect yeah, really yeah, yeah. they are my two favorite books of the year anyway sorry we're off oh, i'll get off time it's all right anthony and Axaguri's after the formalities Ooh. anyone read that yet i haven't read it yet not yet no, not i saw yet. an amazing wanna... couple of excerpts that um mm. rachel allen tweeted about that were just yeah, and this it, it all came after a conversation he had with the taxi driver. The, the mm. first poem was like this conversation he had with the taxi driver, and it's all kind of. I really want to read that one. Mm. We'll mention the others, but I haven't read them or don't don't really know them. Um, Fiona Benson's Vertigo and Ghost, mm. which is obviously just won the forward forward. Mm-hmm. Paul Farley's The Mizzy, Sharon Old's Arias. I've read other Sharon Olds and really like mm. other Sharon Olds that I've read. Vidyan <laughs> Rabindran's The Million Petal Flower of Being Here. I've heard that that is phenomenal. I was told by two poets who I deeply love that that is mm. the best thing they've read this year. Cool. Darren Reese jones Erato and Karen Solly's The Capely Caves. And they're all the T.S. Eliot Prize nominees. Not that, you know, and it, not that we do it for the prizes. Anyway, <laughs> they're nice. It is nice when you when people whose work you like get recognised for it. Mm-hmm. Well, what have you done this month? Oh, what have I done this month? Uh, I went to Hammer and Tongue, Cambridge, hosted by Faye Roberts, which was excellent. Um, had a great time. Um, embarrassingly, I sort of won the slam on points. And then I went over and lost a point, and I have never fucking done that before in my entire Aww. life. Uh, normally, it's me sat at the back going, ah, "Amateurs, time your poems." Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I came third. Uh, oh, but the guys man. who came first and second, who to my shame, I can't remember their names, and I've been trying to look them up and I can't find them. But they were amazing, like absolutely phenomenal. Uh, so, like, it was a fantastic night, and uh, yeah, that'll teach me, uh, I guess. <laughs> and then, apart from that, bit of a quiet month, I've done uh, spoken word London, uh, which I haven't done in a while, and that was lovely. Uh, love a bit of spoken word London. Um, and uh, Poetry Unplugged as well the Poetry Cafe nope both really good nights and not shall we move on to the interview let's move on to the interview <laughs> this month's interview is with Amy Aker and Jake Wildhall uh, Amy and Jake are the team behind Bad Betty Press Bad Betty Press launched in 2017 and published poetry collections anthologies pamphlets and a mini pamphlet series called Bad Betty Shots it also runs events including launches and author showcases and describes its work as firmly rooted in live poetry. The press is supported by Arts Council England and in 2018 was shortlisted for the Michael Marks Publishers Award, Saboteur Most Innovative Publisher Award and had its debut pamphlet, Solomon's World by Jake Wild Hall, longlisted for the Saboteur Best Pamphlet Award. In 2019, its anthology, The Dizziness of Freedom, was shortlisted for London's Big Read Award. We've also just had our first oh, poet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, go for it, go for it, because I did see something on Twitter, so I was going to check with you guys. So what's this? Uh, we've also just had our first poetry book society selection. Amazing for a pamphlet choice, uh, and it is by me. <laughs> <laughs> and what would that be called, Amy? Um, yeah, it's called, and they are covered in gold light. Amazing. So Amy is a poet, performer, and freelance writer from London. Her poem "Every Girl Knows" won the 2019 Verve Poetry Prize. She is the author of two pamphlets, and they are covered in gold light, published by Bad Betty, and Where We're Going, We Don't Need Roads, Flipped Eye, 2015. 
which was chosen as a Poetry Book Society pamphlet choice and a Poetry School Book of the Year. Well, and then yeah. Covered in Gold Light is also now Poetry <laughs> yeah. Book yes. Society. Twice. Two, two-time PBS. Who else? No one. <laughs> Her work has appeared in Poetry London, Poetry Review, Magma 3AM magazine, Poem International Women on Brexit and on BBC Radio London. She has performed at Latitude, Secret Garden Party, the Edinburgh Fringe, Ronnie Scott's, the Roundhouse, Southbank and the Houses of Parliament. Jake is the host of Boomerang Club and winner of the PBH 2016 Spirit of the Free Fringe Award. He has performed on BBC Radio and at festivals and literary events across the UK, including touring his debut pamphlet, Solomon's World. He is a multiple slam champion and has done some research into what parts of the UK's poetry scene know Dragon Ball Z best. His power is over 9,000. His new pamphlet, Blank, is out with Bad Betty now. Can you tell I cribbed this from the last time you featured someone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even write the, no, his I, power. That, that was me. It's a Dragon Ball Z reference. Yeah, 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 but... No, you didn't put it in, but when no, I was no. going through it, I was just like, I can't not put that in. Okay. Is that good? It's like, it's it's over 9,000. I don't know what the stats are. Don't worry. Listen, listen, if you don't understand, you don't need to understand. (laughs) There's in the no-no. It's an elite no basic. Not not that we're into elitism here at all. Well, Dragon Ball Z elitism, that's all fine. That's that's not poetry snob. Dragon Ball Z and bread elitism all day, every day. And every other elitism, get in the bin. I can't believe I put that in there, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I love how that was read out as well yeah, in the I just, I just serious, serious good presenter voice. Oh, I can't believe you did that. It's made my day. <laughs> you scratched it. I am the Ron Burgundy of poetry podcasting, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so, to give us an idea of, of your work, uh, could you start us off with a poem? Uh, Amy, did you want to go first? Yes, I haven't decided what poem. I'll go okay, first. You can come <laughs> back to you if you want. I'll go first. Jake, do you want to go you first? Yeah, Jake, yeah, do you want to yeah. go first? This poem is called Alanis Morissette. Small dark speck on the window looks at me, says you are lonely. Small dark speck on the window laughs as you are surrounded by joy. Small dark speck on the window stares at me how it stares. Small dark speck on the window refuses to go away, although I scrub, yes, I scrub till my hands bleed. Small dark speck becomes smudge. Small dark smudge on the window. Small dark smudge becomes smear. Small dark smear on the window. Small dark smear becomes window, small dark window, small dark window becomes house, small dark house, small dark house becomes me, small dark me in the corner, tea goes cold on the windowsill. I ask Alanis Morissette the meaning of irony, her heart she says and disappears. I turn my phone on and immediately hate myself, I turn it off, no that's a lie, I just fall down the rabbit hole like Alice, I am drink me size in my stomach. Nice. Thank you, Jake. And Amy, did you want to give us a poem uh, to give us an idea of your work as well? Uh, I will, yeah. This is um, this is very new. This is... Um... New shit. New shit. <laughs> new shit. <laughs> this is new shit. It is um, after Toni Morrison. And it's called You Know It's Love, Rousing You to Snap That Creature's Neck. You can think as you like, but come down, Jesus... You see a sparrow with one wing swinging open as saloon doors. Guts chewed out its stomach. You know it's love flying through your fingers. A thing you weren't meant to feel. When home is a keeling cliff, you learn to love small and keep your feet where you can see them. To live spare like food in a fever. Spring bean here. Choke cherry there. 
Sleep sly on kindling. Build a room in your mind and climb in until whatever you can't see happen is nothing but weather. Sometimes the zoetrope stops in the wrong spot and the devil gets you. They said love small, but they didn't bet on my baby girl. If you ever caught a smile like a bit of heaven on your tongue, if you ever swung a hammer, eyes flooding for the colicky foal, that's how I loved her. And if there's nothing holy in that, what's a resurrection for? A girl with rough hands showed me parchment, said this is carmine, and the night should have swallowed us. Only we never learnt how to die. One daughter born a miracle, one lost and come a miracle, both saved, as it was written. It's the three of us now, wanting bridal white stairs in this empty house. Sometimes I think we'll never stop climbing those stairs. There is a square at the top where the light hits holy. When the mouth in the ceiling spreads wide, it's me and my girls now. No more teacher and nothing to save, just sweet hands in hair, sweet milk in the pan, slow breaths in the gloaming. Top of lily white stairs, my girl waits for me. In and out of life, loved rough as diamonds, my best thing, wet in my hands. Was that all right? I haven't learned yeah, that. So I was kind of speaking yeah. it into the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, it's all right. Oh, that's um, great. Jesus. <laughs> oh, <thanks. laughs> yeah. So you guys are the team behind Bad Betty Press. What sparked the idea for Bad Betty and, and why did you set it up? <laughs> <laughs> we're just laughing because this is where we look at each other to work out who's going to answer. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I often say that, I, that basically Amy was pregnant and then going to have maternity leave and because we thought oh we're going to have some spare time right? <laughs> she's got maternity leave we should find something to fill that time <laughs> so we started a publishing house um, because it seemed like a reasonable and sensible thing to do at and the time at the same time Jake was pregnant with a pamphlet <laughs> <laughs> so we started working on that together um, and editing that together and then realised that this was something that we could do and we know so many poets whose work we love that we would want to work with and we love books, obviously. Um, <laughs> that should be a given. Yeah. Um, I don't know, we just started doing it and then we just fucking loved it and started kind of publishing friends and whoever submitted to us and then we've just been really lucky, I think, in getting some amazing people involved um, and it's kind of snowballed <laughs> yeah, yeah but in a really nice way so where did the name come from um so the name is kind of supposed to be a kind of a clue to the kind of poetry we like so bad as in badass betty which if you are familiar with the film clueless is um 90s slang for hot like <laughs> a betty okay it's like a beauty <laughs> so, bad so hot. beautiful and badass yeah yeah, I've been um, wondering for ages. 
I kept thinking it was like a reference to, to that song Black Betty, but it's like, and for ages I was like, oh, it's like Bad Betty, Bam, and it's like, I, no, it's I not Bad Betty. Is it? I, I also don't know that song. Do you know? No, no. Oh, Jay, anything really? that came out before I was born, I don't recognise. The thing about That's time is that the stuff that happened earlier gets recorded, and oh. Oh, you come along. <laughs> we do get called Black Betty quite often. Do you? Yeah, we By get people who we Black reject Betty. automatically. I don't even read get their names right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about submissions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. No one ever gets Amy's name wrong, but I get called Jeff. <laughs> A Jeff is the worst one, Jack. actually. Yeah, Jack all the yeah. time. But that's yeah. not so bad because that's an autocorrect. Yeah, yeah. But Jeff, thing. like J-E-F-F. <laughs> yeah. It's quite ageing. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the kind of ethos behind Bad Betty? Is there one? Yeah. <laughs> all right, there's a few things, I guess. Like, I guess we, this is going to sound really uncool, but I think we like to publish stuff that we think is quite cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, I feel like we're like pro- Excellence and to elitism. Does that work as an ethos? Is that that swanky as well? <laughs> we're not to be again. Like we've heard this a couple times. We're running a poetry podcast. Mm, There's a certain yeah. amount of wank that's going on okay, anyway. Cool. Oh, we're cool with it. Yeah. We've made our piece. We're like, yeah. We want to make beautiful books. We want to publish people we think are great. We want to showcase a range of voices, especially people that aren't necessarily as well represented in poetry as they could be. We want to do stuff that feels very now. A lot of the poets we work with are recently out of uni. Like, we're not, we publish people of different ages, but I think that's quite a big part of it, I guess. So tell us about the people you publish. Who, who excites you to work with? All of them. Yeah. But particularly, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, what excites yeah. you about the projects that you've been working on? Like, how, it's been going, what, two years? Two now? years, yeah. Two, yeah. How two and a half. How big is your published list and how many things are you working on at the minute? Uh, how many have we published? That, that that's our little uh, that's our bad Betty bookshelf over there. <laughs> small collection, small mountain of books yeah. on a shelf. We should point out for listeners um, that we're sitting in Jake and Amy's flat. Yeah, oh, right. and uh, how many and they have kind of the bad Betty library. We've done ten pamphlets. Ten, yeah, ten pamphlets, eight mini pamphlets. Eight mini pamphlets, which are our bad Betty shots. Um, One full collection. Two anthologies. Two anthologies, and we're working on seven poets for next year yeah which is one full collection and six pamphlets and then there'll be and there'll be some sort of anthology there'll be an anthology i mean there'll be an anthology which we exactly know what it is going to be we just haven't revealed it yet <laughs> tell us about the poets what yeah. excites you about about their work oh yes. man they're just really good <laughs> um, yeah. i think we learn a lot from them and hopefully they learn something from us or just they're great you know they all are really good at doing poems um what is it you look for when you're reading something that makes you go yes this is a bad betty writer uh i think that's just it's strange because that's just taste isn't it it's like when you read something taste is massively yeah but there's something in like we don't pick people according to theme or anything like that well unless we're doing anthology yeah um so you could be writing about anything but at the same time i feel like certain things can come up more than others like we don't tend to publish a lot of sort of like nature-based poetry a lot of the poets we work with are writing in a way that can be quite visceral or quite affecting. Um, political yeah or that you know poetry that is about something as opposed to just clever little lines yeah we're never going to publish a book of poems about like a train or a city 
there's space for that. Uh, I, I don't know if that's city's quite <laughs> it's a broad. A city, I feel like city could have a lot I mean, of meaning. Like, okay, I mean like you know, like a like, flower. A whole collection about, about flowers. <laughs> I think I don't know. Interesting ways of writing about the human experience. You know, like takes on it that haven't been done. Um, that sounds really broad, but I don't think it's as broad as that. I think because so much is written about the human experience and how to, like, how we operate inside being human, uh, doing that in an interesting way and kind of conveying stuff in a way that's never been said before but that people completely understand mm-hmm. is um, it's really difficult. And also when it's done right, it's, it's just beautiful. I think at the moment it's been really nice working on Gabriel Acamo's book. He's got some really interesting poems about his body and there's one particular about doing yoga oh yeah and he writes about his body in a really interesting way um that i think is fantastic that's coming out um in december yes this year? yeah um i think something that a lot of writers have in common is like i feel like there's a real sense of immediacy to their work like you connect to it in a very instinctive way it's not kind of operating on a out of remove it's kind of I don't know it's something that sort of places you into the action most of the time mm-hmm. is there an element of being taken by surprise for you then of sort of reading something and not really knowing what you're looking for until you see it mm. yeah I suppose so and most of the poets that we work with perform which isn't to say that I would define their work as performance poetry I mean I think those Although next Labels year, are often I don't unhelpful anyway. Yeah, next year less so. But I think having an understanding to how your poetry connects in a room full of people as much as on the page mm. makes a difference to how you write. Yeah, 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 I agree. What's challenged or surprised you guys along the way? Is it awful to say I've been surprised by how how well it's going? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it's, kept, it's kept us yeah. really busy. <laughs> And when we started, we didn't know at all what we were doing. And we were like, we'll just try this and Mm. see how it goes. And, you know, so many creative projects you do that with, and then it just kind of tails off. Whereas this felt really right really quickly, and things have kind of gone quite well, I think. I feel like there was a market there for both people wanting to have their books published at at this level and also wanting to read those books as well. Yeah, and we definitely exist in a space where, which allows emerging poets to kind of mm. get out there and get their books out there. And I think our authors could equally, many of them, be published by like the big publishers, but maybe they're still quite new, so they're not in that place yet. But um, we def, I don't know. I feel like we're quite. I think actually close something. To the that, ground. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think it's something that's going to be interesting is moving from. Because we know lots of poets as well, so like knowing like interesting, brave, brilliant new voices, it's been something that like I guess has been easy. But then going from that and making sure that we we can mo- we want to move to do like more full collections than we're doing, and to do that, that I think that's going to be quite difficult. That's going to be a challenge yeah. keeping some of the poets or not keeping, and that's fine as well. Like understanding that if you like if you break someone or like their pamphlet breaks and it's fine that they're going to go on and like find a different home but then if you want to do more collections you can't just do more collections unless the work is as brilliant as your pamphlets and Mm -hmm. I think it's 
probably do you, do you agree with what like it's probably easier to find like I think uh, young poets with pamphlets that are ready to come out that are kind of fantastic I find like a because it's kind of shorter and stuff and then once you've done that it's just, just feeling I'm not doing yeah. it and it takes more time I think to develop it for a collection does it just as yeah. a poet like physically yeah. the time to write it but also the time to just have the life experiences that are going to make yeah. it interesting like I feel like there's a discussion point about transitioning from being a publisher that mostly does pamphlets because to doing collections as well I prefer pamphlets like I really we love pamphlets. pamphlets I love pamphlets like, oh, as readers yeah. yeah I think it's something about taking that kind of precision that you've brought to pamphlets and expanding into a whole collection but keeping it yeah. Yeah. as focused and as, as precise and as it is perhaps. I guess as parents as well like our reading time has been <laughs> <laughs> cut down a lot of Julia Donaldson yeah, and if you're reading, if you're then reading submissions, like to go into reading full collections is sometimes difficult. Um, so yeah. I just really love pamphlets. So I guess yeah. like the difficulty is wanting to do something, but knowing like, you know, there's like one awards mm. for mm. pamphlets yeah. and the PBS thing, but there's so much for collections. There's so yeah. much, and it's a market we need to tap into. Like, I don't think we're going to have any problem doing more full collections. I think the problem is going to be doing fewer pamphlets because mm. we mm. we did like struggle last submissions window to pick the seven that we did, and we 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 ended up like oh no, I can't say that. <laughs> We just ended up, yeah, taking on more than we were meant to, and um, yeah, I think that's going to be a massive problem doing less pamphlets mm. which is a nice problem to have i guess yeah still thoughtly it's too much fantastic work <laughs> damn it how do you feel that the role of publishers in the spoken word world has kind of changed if at all like i was having a conversation with someone the other day who used to live in london doesn't now i was talking about publishing and they went, it seems like everyone and his dog now has a collection, like, you know, <laughs> like, as, but, but like in a, in a way of like, is that, are people more, more moving into getting published rather than working more in spoken word? I don't know. I think publishing has definitely in the last few years become much more accessible to people who might otherwise just view themselves as, not just, but view themselves as performance poets or spoken word poets. I think that's an extremely positive thing. Mm. I don't feel like I feel like there's space for all kinds of poetry. And um, I think, you know, within that, there's kind of a mix of sort of quality of work. Yeah. But I think that's okay because there's lots of different things that books do, you know, mm. like it can be all about seeing your work on the page or it can be about having something to sell at gigs. Mm. And I think there's no reason to publish a book that's necessarily invalid and I don't yeah. think it denigrates anything, you know, to make an art form more accessible yeah. to more people I don't think can be a bad thing. I think you might get some people <clears throat> publishing books before they're ready, mm. but that's kind of subjective anyway. And Again, yeah. it comes back to what you're doing it for and that's down to the poet and their audience. Mm. Glad you said <laughs> was that all right? Was that yeah, bitchy? Yeah, no, it was great. No, it was great. It was good. Yeah, it was cool. very good. That's and exactly I think what I wanted to articulate. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's reflective, actually, of, of what's happening on the spoken word scene. Mm. Like, at, at gigs, you know, that there will be people who are still kind of honing stuff, but performing it, and they'll be, you know, and right the way up to your kind of Holly McNeish, Kate Tempest kind mm. of thing. And I think, yeah, all of that spectrum of artwork is valid and has something to say, and there are people that enjoy it. So, yeah, why shouldn't there be books available yeah. for those mm. people too? 
And I think sometimes people get really snobby about it and there's no need. You can mm. enjoy the poetry you enjoy and it doesn't. it's not tarnished by the fact no, that someone else someone, is doing something completely yeah. different. Yeah. So if, if this person was going to buy it, if, you, if, you dis, if you're a person and you're like, oh, I, I dislike this type of poetry and that person's stealing like a market from me, it's, that's a nonsense anyway. Because if, if you hate that type of thing, that person who's buying... That that thing is never gonna have been your audience because mm. you're not gonna write the type of poetry they like. It's just about more accessibility, more accessibility into the arts, m- more ways of people to express themselves, and mm. um, it's all valid. Like all, all poetry is valid. All, like all publishing is valid if you have a reason that you can. Sell, like we all all bands mm. sell much and. No one, no one goes like, oh, this band I hate or this band I don't think is valid because they make a music I don't like mm. goes, oh, they shouldn't be allowed to have an album. And I just think it's something that has to basically like there. There's a lot of elitism in poetry and it's been one way for so long. And I think there's some letting go of that that has to happen. And, you know, that's just it's just going to have to happen because people are allowed to have a book and people are allowed to like things that you don't like and you're not allowed to say it's not poetry music is a really good comparison because <laughs> like music is so broad there are so many kinds of music that yeah. everyone knows about and yet with poetry people have like no this one's real this one's not yeah. and i feel like people just aren't used to the, the people think poetry the is spectrum of genres category of yeah yeah, yeah. I found out recently so my great aunt Peggy in Ireland used to have a show on the radio reading out poetry um, except she refused to read out anything that didn't rhyme because it wasn't proper poetry (laughs) if it didn't rhyme Uh, so yeah she'd be quite embarrassed I've written a poem about her thank you for those (laughs) I'm glad you said those things Um, so um, can you tell us about your approach to working with authors and your process to kind of guiding them to create their book so I guess there's a few different parts of the process. Um, Do you want to start at the start? Beginning into traditional. So what's the start? It's the start... I feel like Jake's the kind of butterfly that draws poets no, to listen, us. No, I don't think that's the case. I think that... I don't, I don't know how much to say. I think some poets send us work and it's there and it's ready. That it's just easy to edit and Amy just gets into it and it's easy and some people will ha- have them ready to send us work and they need me to like call them up and be like you know you we're publishing you for a reason you're amazing and and I think that's important I think I always say that it would be easier for us and we get enough work that we could just basically take from the submissions and just go all right it's a book essentially yeah. like there would still be hard work that goes into that like typesetting and like editing but there's Mm. but there's work that I think it's part of our ethos to take and work with in a and Amy does that brilliantly work with writers more at the start and to really edit that work and sit with people and give them pointers and so kind of 50 50 you all right, go on. <laughs> I'm just a little bit worried about saying that and making it sound like, oh, these guys really needed a lot of help. And then, yeah. I, I, but that's I important to offer. Like, that's important to offer people yeah. yeah. right? development as yeah. well as not just go. Like, if we were going to be every other publisher, but if you're just wrapping it in a cover, you're not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like uh, we uh, work on. 
people and their projects and help them and like I mean it's something AJ has said to me um Antonio J King um has said that you know she really loved the work that you did with her and that's not to say her poems need a lot of work but she's really enthused to me about part of being published by Bad Betty was getting this editing feedback Mm -hmm. and kind of I think there was one of one of her poems she was saying I think you said to her do you think this might be two poems or something oh, yeah, like no, that. Yeah, it was yeah. two that turned and I think, into uh, Yeah, and I think she was kind of like, that's amazing. And I, think, Spice Girls, I think that kind of feedback, I think people do find very valuable. I don't know what yeah, like, um, it's, I guess there is a sort of a nurturing element of what we're doing and yeah like really the the reason one of the main reason we started this is because i love editing and working with poets and it's something i'm now doing freelance as well as with bad betty but um yeah so i guess it's kind of it's quite a close collaborative relationship and that's not to say it's particularly drawn out especially with pamphlets it can often happen quite quickly with like a few meetings or comments in a Google Doc and stuff. But it's just kind of looking at the work together and it's never us saying do this, do that. But it's often just asking a question to work out the intention behind things and like mm-hmm. this is how this is landing. So is that what you meant? Or yeah, just asking questions of the work really. Okay. Like the first book that Amy ever edited for Bad Bay is obviously Solomon's World. And Which I think is it, by who? Jay? It's by me. But I think <laughs> it's also the most edited book that we've ever released. And I think it taught me so much about kind of working on my own work and editing my own work, which is why I say I think that's so valid that we take the time mm. like that we take the time to do that and we want to work with people Mm. and and really help as much as we can not that they're mm. not brilliant they're brilliant yeah. it's mm. just about yeah, yeah, yeah. not just going are we going to take like you want to see that it's, it's more than just going we've got some isbn's but like yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, but you i know. think oh sorry no but i think that should be a given in publishing anyway i don't that think it is i don't think it is i think that's not i don't think it is the case that publishers are just taking I think for publishers it's it well okay yeah so I've noticed even in this conversation you guys are sounding really nervous about talking about your skill as editors well Amy's skill as an editor and I find that absolutely fascinating like I feel like there is this myth of the perfect first draft Mm. that it came out of my mind and it's complete and it's done and like I wrote this on the bus here (laughs) and we know see <laughs> You're doing the voice because you know it's terrible, and we all know it's terrible. But at the same time, you obviously want to tread very lightly and respect what people have done, and never, yeah. So yeah, editing I think is a conversation. Mm. That's what it should be. Um, but you always have to edit. Anyone that says, "Oh, I don't edit my work," I'm very suspicious of. Right. Um, <laughs> we have this conversation a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, because even if. I don't know, once in a while something might just come yeah. out of you perfect and fully formed, but... It you... never does for me. No, <laughs> no, I don't know. I... Oh, sorry. sorry. No, no, go on, go on. I'm, I'm no longer doing this, but when I was when I was taking driving lessons and I didn't pass... Um, I thought um, you said when I was taking dragon right. lessons. Dragon lessons. Oh and I was so excited. I was like, yeah. you were taking yeah. dragon that lessons? That is a conversation for Dan. She didn't get to 9,000. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I was I was working uh, as an editor for textbooks when I was taking my driving lessons and I'd explain to the driving instructor what I do and he was like what so you just like mess with it 
And I found myself going, you don't oh, know man. what it looks like when it arrives. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I think he just had this kind of, they've written it and you're just like monkey with yeah. it. And I was like, no, no, you. <laughs> there is so much that goes into this. Yeah. Editing and is, I think... the, is the work. Editing is the work. So we kind of touched on it earlier, but um, how would you say working with other people on their poetry for that Betty has affected the way that you write? Like having having read your, you both bought pamphlets out recently, blank for Jake, and and they're covered in gold light for Amy. How do you think it's affected your writing? Okay, okay no, Jake, I'm going to ask you the question oh, yeah, because, yeah. because I've read Solomon's World and then blank, and I'm interested in how you think your approach as a writer has changed between those two books? Um, basically, what I would say is, firstly, uh, Amy does uh, most of the editing, but I think working with, watching Amy work as an editor and her editing me has helped my writing so much because obviously I read a lot of the poems before they go to the edit and then after they go to the edit and just seeing that process and seeing it in work and seeing Amy and work do those things I think has helped me a lot and I read a lot more as well since starting Bad Betty I just read so much more and not just submissions I've just started reading books a lot more to kind of get an idea of a lot of other things and so I think that's probably helped me but I think yeah like working with Amy on Solomon's World helped me so much to understand that I can find ways to cut stuff down and um i think when i gave you the manuscript for blank it was it needed much less editing than solomon's yeah. world like solomon's world needed ho- whole poems turned into like three words and stuff like that so <laughs> um and so i think watching amy do that like and see how her mind works and reading poems together and going and seeing her go oh this is how i feel about me this and me going i don't actually understand this and then her going no it means this and then like working with someone who is as brilliant as amy is can really help you that's what i find anyway like it's really nice to be part of that process and get to see it happen i think through that like i've understood a lot more and i think i'm better at now reading a poem and understanding a poem and maybe editing and like giving feedback better than i was kind of two years ago you give a lot of feedback and um yeah i think that working with you and all the folks that we've worked with has inspired me a lot and sort of shown me a lot of different ways of doing things and um techniques that i wouldn't have thought of and um i think you've also got me or maybe we've got each other reading a lot more because we're always saying to each other oh have you read this? It's brilliant. And then swapping over. We usually agree. It's rare that one of us will read something and say it's brilliant and the other one will say, oh, no, I didn't like that. I don't know if that's just a result of living together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think there is... I think even when we don't at first agree on something, mm. we actually trust each other enough. I think, you know, mm. we might read a, a submission and then kind of one of us is like oh I'm not sure and another one's like oh actually it's brilliant like reread it there's Mm. like some work that needs to be done on it but you know it can be done kind of and you often kind of get someone's intention much quicker than I will as well like sometimes if I read something and I'm like I can't quite get into this and then you'll be like oh well they're talking about this and I'll be like oh right (laughs) I think I think I don't think it's more often I just think we get different stuff and because we're two we're two different people with two different life experiences 
and two different understandings of things so it's really interesting to see like what Amy picks up straight away and what those subjects are and what I pick mm. up straight away and then to kind of put them together and so and sometimes the common ground of finding something that we love is finding something that we read and both automatically mm. get because that's but yeah it's really I'll push you towards something and you or you'll push me yeah. towards something and say this I think what's nice as well is when especially in um say reading submissions and I won't mention any names but like sometimes like one time when we were both like oh I really like this thing but I don't know if I'm weird to like it and then I was like no I really like that too (laughs) we were taking the submissions I was taking the submissions down and I I wrote next to it I think this is a yes but I think I don't know yeah what did I say I'm it's I'm strange to like this and I don't know why (laughs) and then it was one of Amy's favourites and we're publishing it next year but it was one of the things I've read that I was like I don't know why but this is fantastic and I feel like there's a lot of stuff I should like more than Mm. it because it does stuff but it does something completely different to all those things I just want to ask because we were talking about this joke recently how do you think people that submit to you what what do you think that they think that bad betty is is (laughs) Like, what do you think they recognise that they're submitting to two, two people, for example? Do you think they recognise they're submitting to a small, relatively small press? Sometimes, I think most people who submit to us have an idea of who we are and what we're about. But it's really obvious when people don't and they're just sort of copy and pasting submissions. Like, for example, Dear Sir, Madam. Dear, no, Dear Sirs. Deserves. Actually, that's, that's actually almost definitely <coughs> automatic rejection. Like, yeah, it's true. If you if you address us, dear sirs, it's we, we'll read really it as a difficult. cursory thing. But yeah, it's, that's enough. It's never been dear whatever the opposite of that would be. Dear madams. Dear madams, it's never been that. Ladies, it's the ladies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the ladies. Um, it's the world of madam madams. Oh yeah, that, that's what I Sometimes we get saying. emails. Uh, from people's agents but I don't think the really I don't agents. think the agents are real I think oh <laughs> yeah, saying okay. let's reintroduce you agents? to this it's just award winning it's always with a really really long list of their accomplishments and, and in a in a like a in a very different country like often they've won all these awards yeah, but there's nothing no 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 but like yeah like this poet is super successful here and then you look them up and they're, they're, they're... we don't look them up no we don't but yeah yeah. <laughs> you don't <laughs> cut that <laughs> I'm not stalking anyone and, and they send us like 100 pages yeah like, oh man yeah you can tell they don't follow like exactly. guidelines yeah. we don't even have broad guidelines we have like pretty easy going guidelines the thing so is it's, it's not you're not it's... guidelines aren't to be difficult or elitist it's literally just to make our lives, lives easy, easy yeah. like yeah. put all your poems exactly. in one. Basically, just you know, guidelines are easy to follow. We make it very easy, um, but yeah, people, people are wild. Don't submit outside of. We don't read any submissions we get outside of this window. Yeah. Because it takes time. Yeah. Uh, it just seems like such a weird. We are closed. Yeah. <laughs> so and like also, how do you in... decide? Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, go on. Like, how do you decide what you're doing for the year when you don't know what else you're going to get? Mm. Yeah. Whereas having mm. everything in one window, then we look at it and we know exactly yeah. what our options what are, and we pick the best yeah. stuff from that. Like, pe- people not thinking about making your lives easier. I mean, they don't understand why you wouldn't. Like, if you want to work with somebody, you'll make their I lives think easier. sometimes people think that we need to sell bad better to them, which I 
quite funny. Like, like okay. we get people asking what we what we're going to pay them. To pay and them I just work. go go for, <laughs> fuck yourself. No. Or, or or how they know we're not going to steal their work. Oh, oh man. Oh god, I am fascinated by people. Right. So when when I started at uni creative writing course, it turned up in conversation that like everyone virtually in the room had at some point mailed themselves their own writing so that it would be date stamped in a sealed envelope. And the professor looked around and was like, do you know how hard you have to work to get anything published? (laughs) No one is nicking your stuff and making a profit off of it, with the odd, extremely weird exception. And of course, if they have done, I mean, crack open the champagne, because that's a lawsuit, and, Mm. you know, you're probably making more money than the publication (laughs) would have done anyway. That's true. Great, well, thank you very much for joining us, guys. (laughs) Thank you for having us. This book club section finds us in a new location. Is there a reason that we switched locations, Hannah? <laughs> uh, because Jake and Amy's lovely baby was uh, having night terrors. Yeah. And we stopped recording because... It, it felt like the right thing to do. It yeah, really it felt like did. Like to get out of their hair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we are now decamped to Rebecca's spare room. <laughs> no, the recording studio. The recording studio. We have now decamped to the recording studio. And we hope that Billy, um, Jake and Amy's daughter, is better now. Yeah. <laughs> Now it's time for our book of the month, which this month is Through Your Blood by Toby Campion, chosen by Hannah. Hannah, why do you pick this book? The completely honest answer is that I bought this at the book launch of Through Your Blood uh, in 2017. And then I spotted it on my bookshelf when you guys said, what poetry book should we read? And I went, oh, crap, I actually never got to read that. (laughs) In my defence, I have an executive dysfunction disorder and a doctor's note. Uh, But yeah, I knew that Toby was great and I couldn't believe I'd somehow bought this book and then failed to read it. (laughs) So I reckon now is a good time. I absolutely loved the... I think we we were speaking just before we turned the microphones on about uh, what the themes are, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the strongest ones, one of the themes that I really appreciated was that there's a lot of day-to-day childhood and teens and young adult stuff. And it's often ugly and up close. It is nits. It is the shit alcohol you drink when you're 15. Yeah. (laughs) It is the rumours about who shagged who. But it's often interspersed with something quite, finding something quite deep and poignant in it. Like Mm -hmm. his poem Nits about the 15 minutes waiting for the knit solution to work and then as a as an adult wanting something that could clean his head and make the where's the phrase scrape the scuttling from my head um and that the these these loops back to the often ugly side of childhood and teenager and the form with that poem knits is quite cool as well that it kind of is easy expressly mirrored that you've got the bit where he's talking about the nits and then the bit where he's talking about being an adult and mental health and the, the mirror images on the page aren't they? yeah and also oh where's it gone it wasn't lion's pride it was learning to hold another one of the early ones is about um being in a boys only school where there's if you want to go to the toilets that aren't urinals you have to ask for permission and it's this gross embarrassing thing you have to go to the school nurse and ask for the toilet paper but then he sort of builds a wider metaphor about learning to hold in emotions Mm. knowing that it's not you're not allowed to express whether we are talking about shitting or um anything that's not masculine yeah yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, it's interesting. I guess I was thinking about this more widely recently, but I don't think there's that, or I don't see that many books sort of directly addressing masculinity and what masculinity means. Um, and I think it's quite interesting in the way that Toby does that throughout both the book and also more widely. And because I hadn't read this book either, but I have seen Toby plenty of times and uh, read his stuff like odd pieces of his stuff but not actually read a whole collection and I hadn't really thought about that in relation to Toby but actually I really do think masculinity and what it means to be made a man I guess is a is a key theme running through the book yeah um and uh and how that doesn't sit comfortably um and working to challenge that throughout the book is something that is um Theme. Yeah, and he really does have a laser focus on, I mean, that outsider's perspective as a kid who sounds like knew he was gay from very, very young. There's even a, there's a gorgeous verbatim poem from <laughs> yeah. his mum saying that the moment she gave birth and held him, she went, yeah, that is a gay baby. <laughs> um, and I, I absolutely love it. Um, but yeah, he has this laser focus of an outsider who's had to learn what is who's learnt young what is not okay mm. from his granddad disapproving of his choice of Christmas toy that he wanted a... Which Barbie was it? Uh, um, winter sports Barbie. Winter sports sounds Barbie. amazing. <laughs> and a six-year-old went, oh yeah. I don't remember that one. <laughs> I also like, yeah, the second... is it? I think it's the second part where it's much more about identity in terms of location mm-hmm. and growing up in the Midlands, yeah. um, which is an area that I'm not super familiar with like I visited areas of the Midlands but I've never lived which I found interesting because I was actually born in the Midlands Go on. I was born in Nottingham but mm-hmm. then moved down to Somerset and, oh. and from the Midlands is this really kind of interesting kind of like I'm not north stop calling me north I'm not from the south stop calling me southern like mm. and it's kind of pitched as like the middle child and yeah I just found that really really interesting also, um, also the great poetry t- poem title make less the British yeah. which mm. in quotation marks <laughs> very intentionally mm. Addressing what identity of place is and trying to grab that back from racist reactionary shithouses. Yeah. yeah. Also, I noticed what um, reading the book, um, there's a couple of pieces in here that I have seen Toby perform. And there's occasionally, uh, so I can't remember the name of it, but there's one about being in an STI clinic. Uh, Notes in the sexual health clinic waiting room, that's it. Yeah. And when he performed it, at his launch actually, there's an additional bit about, there's the question, how many sexual partners have you had? And there's this bit where Toby kind of like rolls his eyes back to the side and is kind of counting on his fingers. It's entirely wordless, Yeah. but there's a long pause where he's trying to tot up and then he comes out with one <laughs> and it's hilarious. But I realised that a lot of what made it funny was completely non-verbal. Like, I don't know what you would have had ellipsis on the page. So it just, that bit just isn't in the page poem. Mm. But on stage, it was like the main, my Mm. main memory of the piece. Yeah, it's interesting that you have to kill your darlings and change Mm. things in order (laughs) to get things to work on the page. Yeah. For this genre, this is, uh, for this medium. Mm. yeah, Yeah, this is not what works. And... Also, there's one notes from the airport bar a week later, intoxicated, which performed is a masterpiece, and on the page is quite good. Um, it's still a masterpiece. It's just in a different way. Yeah. It's uh, all written in phonetic, isn't it? Or mm. certainly in vernacular, anyway. Where it's yeah. all slur, 
slurry and uh, all across the page and trying to. Oh yeah, there's alive. there's no capitals. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of run off sentences. Everything is one big mess of a. There's no stanza break. Yeah. yeah. Um, you definitely got the you definitely get the feeling reading it. This uh, is a yeah, this, piece. This, this I didn't. This narrator's intoxicated. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got that without the title. Yeah. Fair. And I think that is the thing that like um, so there's one when when the stranger called me faggot, and he basically turns around and becomes very Midlands. And I think you're supposed to assume that this has happened in London or away from the Midlands. Um, and kind of just gives them what for basically um, and his friends and my new friend said we haven't heard you like that before and I said you haven't heard me mm. and even though like that is it's not written phonetically but you can hear his voice mm. when he's w- when you're reading that bit like even even though it's not trying to mimic the accent you still are kind of like yeah so what do you guys kind of take away from it having read it now I feel like I'm retreading what I said already but I really liked the the way he could pick a sort of adult lesson out of some really unpoetic sounding um, circumstances or the, the, you know, everyday stuff that you would not be like, oh yes, this is a, (laughs) grab me my nicest notebook and I will write down about the time that we got knits. But pulls out some really, really punchy morals, I guess, almost. It is a coming of age story. Yeah. The whole book is about coming of age and it's very kind of evocative of a time and a place, but also stuff that you can relate to if you didn't grow up in that time or you, know, you didn't grow up wrestling with your sexuality in the same way yeah it's still yeah there's a lot there that you can kind of it's very specific but there's also moments of like yeah i get that yeah, yeah. Come on that coming of age point i mean about four or five of the poems called learning to something yeah learning to hold learning to dance learning to swallow learning to drive yeah it is about mm. learning and growing as a book isn't it yeah i guess and also wrestling with i mean it doesn't explicitly say that it was a catholic school but there is there is a kind of a tension between religion and sexuality yeah. throughout. It's, it's threaded with a prayer this gorgeous prayer mm. different mm. you know it's broken the prayer is broken up and kind of almost marks out chapters in the in the book yeah. sec- sections and like there's like references to samaritans and things like that mm. and there. yeah and then that the final piece is according to the book of Samuel pulling out what yeah really sounds sounds like a queer relationship to me <laughs> um, and that that almost works as there's that one at the end and then there's the fact that the one about the verbatim one about him being born and his mum going this is a gay baby um, is called Deliverance there are these uh, themes yeah. throughout it of like actually I was legit <laughs> we were legit all along yeah um, I guess that idea of that when you're talking about the everyday mm. is also talking about like taking stuff that is not gritty but is sort of not inherently inherently thought of as beautiful things mm. like uh the knits things like the skin and the itchy scalp things like certain bodily fluids certainly <laughs> yeah. come up quite a lot in it and but but using those and taking those to make something that is very beautiful is um, something that I think marks this book differently to other books that I've read mm. recently. It's not quite gritty. It's more, and it's not quite sort of kitchen sink, love kitchen sink kind of um, every day. Yeah, it's something sort of bod- bodily. Yeah, visceral is the word visceral that is to mind. maybe a nice word for it. Yeah, familiar, but in a very sort of mm. bodily sense. Also, one thing that I 
really liked in it, like threaded throughout, was the the layers inherent in things. Like there's 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 one poem about being down the pub with his female friends, and mm. they're all singing along to the jukebox, and yeah. they're all drinking I forget which sugary shit drink, and then from the look on two guys in the bar he orders a pint next yeah and picks the kind of music his dad would listen to on the jukebox mm. next and the his female friends hadn't spotted what's going on this that yeah that the underlying tensions of the everyday i think is one of the main mm. themes i guess yeah on the one hand the boys toilets are gross and on the other hand you are learning to be a repressed man and on the one hand he picked a different song and on the other hand he is le- oh, so aware that this situation is suddenly not safe and his female friends mm. aren't and that yeah the kind of the duality of yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep so that um, so it's Through Your Blood by Toby Campion and that's published by Burning Eye and uh, 2017 yes. it's lovely we thoroughly recommend it as ever try and buy it direct from Burning Eye or from your local small bookshop uh, or from Toby or from Toby directly at a gig yep. preferably from Toby directly on with the show now it's time for the notice board section, letting you know what poetry nights are coming up this month and where you can go to perform your work or submit it for publication. So let's go through. It's now November. Ooh. Ooh. Rebecca, do you want to kick us off? Uh, so on the first, we've got She Growls, uh, Carmina Marsolova's book launch for Circles, which is published on Burning Eye, with Sophie Fenella, Lauren Kay and Amy Aker, who you'll have heard uh, earlier in this podcast, at the Poetry Cafe in Covent Garden. I think that's at 7 or 7.30. Yep. On the 5th, we have got three poetry nights clashing. The 5th is clash there's, night. There's always meh, one. Meh, meh. Is that the, the clash, clash nights? Klaxon. <laughs> oh, the clash klaxon. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, so, on the 5th, there is Boxed Intimate with Molly Naylor, Phoebe Wagner and Zahara at the Plough E9, which starts at 7. Uh, there's also Poetry Unplugged at the Poetry Cafe in Covent Garden. Uh, and that's every Tuesday, so it's also on the 12th, the 19th and the 26th. And that starts at ooh, 7.30, I want to say. Be there around then. Yeah, I, th- I think if you get there for quarter to seven, if you want to put your name down on the, the slot, uh, on the uh, open mic. But yeah, 7.30, I think it starts. On the 5th as well, we've got uh, a gig called My Father's House, and that's got Raymond Antrobus, um, as well as Hannah Lowe and Colin Grant at Free Word Farringdon. And that starts at 7pm. Uh, on the 6th, it is Spoken Word London again at VFD Dalston. It's also on the 20th because it's a fortnightly night. And doors are uh, doors open seven thirty. Yeah, get there like quarter to seven if you want to try and get on the slot though, because it does fill up quickly and starts at eight. On the seventh, we've got word on the street with Megara and Phonetic Woodsy. And it's the last one. This is the last word on the street uh-huh, uh, for okay. the foreseeable future. Apparently, it's returning next year in another form. Ooh. That's all I know about it. Ooh. And that's at Harlem Soul at seven o'clock. On the 7th as well, Clash Claxon. <laughs> we should get an actual Claxon Yeah, sound. we'll have to get an actual noise. Also on the 7th, uh, Burning Eye Presents um, is at the Poetry Cafe in Covent Garden. And they've got Rebecca Tantony, Carmine Miss Oliver again, uh, Keith Jarrett and Nadia Malik. And that's at 7.30. On the 9th, we've got Poem Brute with Jacqueline Ennis-Cole, Paul Hawkins, James Cayley. SJ Fowler, Karen Sandu and others at Rich Mix in Shoreditch. That starts at 7. On the 10th, we've got the LQW Workshop uh, with Kath Blair. And they'll be looking at randomness and artistic limitations. And that's at Barley Mow in Shoreditch. 
Do we don't want to know say what time that is. We don't know what time that Do is. Do we want to say what LQW is? Oh, so LQW is London Queer Writers. They are the um, collective that runs Speak Equal, which is an excellent night. And Okay, on the 13th, uh, it's Boomerang Club's five-year anniversary birthday five special years. at the Rutland Arms in Hammersmith at 730 they haven't announced features, and I don't know if that's an intentional we're not announcing features. Uh, I think or... they haven't got round to it. Um, I, can, <laughs> I can exclusively say that one of them's me. Yay! Oh, okay. Well, that. Yes. Do you know who the other is? No, I do not know who the other oh, is. No, I don't know. Yes, uh, so yeah, so that will be me. On the 15th, it is Canada Water Open Mic at the Canada Water Library at 6, followed by Woke in the Theatre Space. Oh, more. Ooh. Yep. It just keeps going. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, there's a lot on. Uh, the theory seems to be that people are getting it in before December because yeah. everyone's away for mm. Christmas. That makes sense. On the 24th, we've got Mouthpiece featuring Mary Dickens, Joshua Seagal, uh, Anthony M. Baker at the Tap Room Islington. And that's got Sarah Callahan and O. Stanfast hosting. On the 28th, we have got Tung Fu, which is the night with uh, improvised music put under the poetry. And Jake Wildhall and Raymond Antrobus are featuring on that at nice. Rich Mix. On the 29th is Paper Tiger Poetry with Jason Y emceeing um, at the Tea House Theatre in Vauxhall and that starts at 7.30. On the 30th of November it's my birth. well actually the 29th of, my of November is my birthday but on the 30th it's my birthday due. Um, we're going out. If you know Woo! me, if you fancy coming along, showering <laughs> me with praise, drop me a line. I'll probably say yes. Sure, come along. Flash, we will get you everywhere. On the 1st of December, it's Molly Martian's This Poo Shall Pass <laughs> at Apple Car Arts Upton Park at 7.45. Can I just contextualise? I didn't know Molly Martian was Molly Martian's surname, but that's Molly, who we saw at LQW, um, oh, and we've seen oh, yes. um, ah. who is a really good poet. I did not know. like lots of short, funny poems. Oh, the ones about different kinds of cake. Yeah, 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 that is such yeah, a good. She's oh, she's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I didn't know that was her her second name. Oh, fantastic! Yes. So, uh, the fact that their show is called "This Poo Shall Pass" just I not mean, totally expected, totally tight, on brand. Tight, tight wordplay is what you go for. So, yeah. yeah. What's going on outside London, Rebecca? On the fifth and the twenty third, we've got Tease Women Poets Writing Group, which is every first Tuesday of the month. 6 till 8pm at Drake Bookshop and the sharing group is every fourth Saturday 4 till 6pm at ARC Stockton. Our friend Sarah Smith uh, is launching her book, her, I think it's of Christmas poetry, called Crackers um, on the 6th um, and that's at Cedaro Lounge Wokingham at 7.30. On the 6th it is Spork with an exclamation mark with Tom Sastry and support from Michelle Dilling and Charlotte Evans at Little Drop of Poison Exeter at 8 o'clock and the venue is a Tom Waits song so I am already in love. <laughs> On the 9th and the 23rd, Poets Place Workshops with Jasmine Gardosi at the Birmingham Hippodrome and that's free uh, and that's from 1 o'clock till 3 o'clock. On the 12th uh, is Scratch Bath and it's an artist development session in the southwest, which is open to everyone who's over 25. <gasps> uh, and it's a... For beginners, three to experienced performers, um, and it involves warm-ups, um, exploring performance techniques together, and then sharing work and getting feedback. And that's at the Bellback Bar um, in Bath from 6.30 to 8.30 um, on the 12th. On the 16th, it is more Spork. Uh, it is the Come As You Are special with Reese Slade-Jones, Kimwee McCarthy, and Jamie Locke. I apologise, I don't know how to pronounce his name. 
Jame or Jamie Locke. Uh, Exeter Phoenix. Uh, on the 16th, Scratch Tine is for all northeast based spoken word artists. From beginners looking for a confidence boost before their first open mic night to experienced performers asking for honest feedback as they experiment with new work, Scratch Tine is open to everyone. Co-hosted by Sky Hawkins and Rowan oh, McKay. Oh, they're both lovely. The format is, is simple. Awesome. Warm up together, explore a new performance technique together and then share work and give helpful feedback. And that's from 12 until 3pm at Space 6 Commercial Union House. We love Rowan. Um, and you love Sky, apparently. Yeah, I don't know, but... Sky put me up when I was uh, gigging in Newcastle. She's absolutely lovely. Yeah. There you go. Great. 22nd to the 24th, uh, Margate Bookie is on from Friday 22nd to Sunday 24th at Margate's Turn and Contemporary. The headliners are Mark Billingham, creator of the Tom Thorne crime series, and Alison Weir, top-selling female Ooh, historian. Okay. There's also going to be workshops, creative sessions, and a legendary bookie slam, headlined by Inua Ellen. Ooh, heck yeah. And on the 24th, we've got Allographic, uh, featuring Claire Trevian at the CUC Wine Bar in Cambridge at 7 o'clock. And I'm just going to add a last minute addition in. Uh, so a very lovely friend of mine from school, um, with the amazing name Ellen Arwen Tristram. Ooh, yes. Ellen Arwen Tristram. Yes. Uh, so she has published a novel, um, and it's being launched at Mr B's Book Emporium nice. in Bath, which if you if you know Bath, it's, it's just the nicest bookshop ever it's absolutely gorgeous mm. uh, and that is being so it's a, it's a novel about uh, it's kind of coming of age novel for young adults and it's being launched at, on Wednesday the 13th of November at 6.45 um, so if that sounds interesting yeah have a look on mrbsemporium.com and the novel's called uh, Forbidden Fruit let's move on to submissions um, so um Jake and Amy's printing press, Bad Betty, has opened submissions for pamphlets and collections, and that uh, window will remain open until the 31st of January 2020. AKA Brexit Day 3. Oh. Revenge of the Brexit Day. God. Sorry. Yeah. I've ruined the recording now. Yeah, way to depress everybody. Um, I've got three more months to stockpile my medication. Yay! Yay. Uh, for more details about, um, not Brexit, because nobody wants more details about Brexit, for more details of uh, Bad Betty submissions, um, uh, go to badbettypress.com. Great. Prol Magazine, fantastic name, has opened submissions for its annual Prol Laureate competition. I love it already. It is looking for previously unpublished poems, which can be any length, style or subject, but must adhere to Prol's editorial values of making writing engaging, accessible, challenging and entertaining. The winner will receive £200 and publication, and two runners-up get 50 quid and have their, also have their work published. Uh, that submission window is also open till January 31st. Poetry London, the magazine run by Goldsmith University, is accepting online submissions of any form of poetry um, at poetrylondon.co.uk stroke submission. That sounds like a challenge. It does sound like a challenge, <laughs> doesn't it? Uh, and they publish editions in February, May and September, and I think it's kind of a rolling submissions window now. Uh, the Nottingham Poetry Festival appears to be accepting submissions for shows and events, as well as applications to be a support act at next year's festival at the end of April. It doesn't give a closing date on their website, so I guess just get things in ASAP. Uh, more details at nottinghampoetryfestival.com. Have you guys applied for that? Uh, I have. I have Yay. not. I will get on with that. <laughs> Don't want to be left out. Arvon's 2020 New Poets Prize for Poets aged 17 to 24 is open for entries. Submit 12 pages of poetry before the 1st of March to win pamphlet publication. To have a chance of winning pamphlet publication, a launch reading, an Arvon course, and more. That is a good set of prizes, right? Isn't it? I particularly really like good. and more. That's, yeah. that's that. Ooh. And we have a symbol at the back of the cupboard. <laughs> what is the more? Okay. <laughs> 
I Know I Wish I Will is a competition for poets aged 5 to 25, um, which is culminating in a 25-hour 25, 25 poetry marathon in London's West End. <laughs> Uh, I don't know whether that's a typo or whether they are actually going to go for 25 hours. Do they want like a year and a day? Yeah. (laughs) Five-year-olds at 5am. This Uh, could get really messy. Um, Apparently you have to write your own poem in response to the theme I know I wish I will. Um, And the deadline is Friday the 20th of December. Um, And you can apply for that at eastside.org.uk stroke I hyphen I hyphen no hyphen I hyphen wish hyphen I hyphen will. The Poetry Kit Autumn competition is for poetry on any subject. Uh, There are no length or style restrictions, but it should be stressed that a short poem is just as likely to be selected as a longer one. Enter by midnight on Wednesday 20th of November 2019. Uh, First prize is £100 and second prize is £50. The RSL, or Royal Society of Literatures, uh, Literature Matters Awards, are open for submissions of proposals for writing, literary events or projects. The awards are given to individual writers or other literary creators, recognising their past achievements and providing them with financial support to undertake a proposed new piece of writing or literary project. The 2020 judges are Tessa Hadley, David Morley and Roy Williams. So Hannah, was that you just 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 casually circling a couple of things you want to apply for? Maybe. See, this is useful. This is kicking my butt into yeah. doing stuff. This is excellent. Yeah. Pen in the margins are have an open application at the moment for um, new book ideas. Mm. I don't think you have to submit a manuscript. It can be an idea for a book as well, um, and they publish people like. Um, Anthony Anaxaguru, who's just been nominated for T.S. Eliot Prize, and Raymond Antrobus, who's won a buttload of prizes for The Perseverance. Um, so they're a really interesting publisher and worth looking at if you're thinking, if you've got something that you're working on at the moment. Ooh. As ever, you can find out more details about these events and submissions on our Facebook page. In a moment, we're going to have our live poem of the month to play us out, but before we do that, anything you guys want to plug? Uh, so this is an old plug, but I've realised I haven't actually plugged it on Dead Darlings yet, is that uh, Listen Softly has published a collection called Luminous Defiant, which is about responses to hardship. Uh, and I have a poem in there called On Being His Final Straw, about the last man I dated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is a gorgeous, lovely publication, and it's put together by um, Dom of Listen Softly in London and Claire Askew who is based in Edinburgh, I believe, and has got her first debut novel out. Yes. Was that the one that she was reading from when it was like a crime, about a mass shooter in school? That sounded so good. It's like, a crime novel. I haven't read it. So I don't she, she was, no, we were at an event like mm. last year and she read out like the first half a chapter or something and everybody was like, no, but what happens next? Uh, Cancel the poetry night. We want to hear what happens next. Like, that, it sounds yeah. like, I know, I know it it's was a crime so good. thriller and yeah. Ooh, I excellent. think they were still arguing about the title at the time so otherwise we'd plug it. But anyway. <laughs> uh, Laurie? I don't have anything newish to plug really. Um... I have a book coming out in March uh, called Biceps. Um, buy that when you can pre-order it. I like how yet. bored you sound with that. I'm just, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not, so blasé. It's not like, oh, I've been working on this for two years now and I'm starting to get sick of it. That's <laughs> you can also follow me. I live in Shepherd's Bush. You can follow me on social media. You can find me at Facebook stroke Laurie Eves Poet. I do have a Twitter, but I never really use it, so... Oh yeah, you can find me as uh, Hannah Hutzber on most social media forms. 
had it as a poet for Facebook. But to be honest, uh, most of my output is pictures of my darling little black kitten that I've recently adopted. So poetry has paused a bit because I don't want to do a fucking T.S. Eliot. Um, it's not really an, a single item to plug or a single night to plug, but I would like to say that if you have read books by poets who you know, fuck it. If you've read poetry books you like, go give them ratings and reviews on Amazon and Goodreads mm -hmm. and all that shit. Yes. Because we are a small community and we read lots of great shit. Um, yes. And we need to spread the word wider. Also, if you've seen them at an event, tell them. Yes. They also, love that. tell us. Yes, tell also us tell if us. you've read something or if you've seen yeah. something or if you've got something that you want to share. Yeah, or there's something you think we should review. The other thing we have to plug is the next episode of this podcast, which instead of our usual lineup of interviews and book reviews, we will just be doing poetry. We'll be having the Dead Darlings non denominational office, office party. party. <laughs> and it's a special. It's a special. special. There may be some poems that reference Christmas. There may be some poems that reference Hanukkah. The theme is to bring in lots of our favourite poets and to have an open mic night and uh, get up to some shenanigans, hopefully, with the photocopier. Yeah, obviously. Does anybody have a photocopier? Oh, I'll scanner? bring it especially. Uh, you have to sit on a scanner. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Rebecca K Cooney, uh, on Instagram uh, at any name but Becky, and on my website, www.rebeccakcooney.wordpress.com. And you can find me um, doing a, one of the featured sets at Boomerang on the 13th of November Ooh. in Hammersmith. Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter at Dead Darlings Pod, um, Facebook as Dead Darlings Podcast, and you can email us at deaddarlingspodcast at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard, please remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and help us spread the word. Talking of... Uh... Talking of spreading the word, my dad is now aware of this podcast. Oh, I think nice. that's an important thing to mention. Hi, Laurie's dad. Yeah. Hi, Laurie's dad. Yeah, Has he uh, got a name? Got my, a name. Dad is, my dad's name is David. Hey, David. Hi, David. We're sorry about the swears. <coughs> you don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, our poem of the month was performed by Rhiannon Fields at Spoken Word London on September the 5th. Uh, we chose Rhiannon's poem um, because it was just... A really interesting idea that obviously really grabbed um, a lot of imagination in the crowd. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it on the recording, but a lot of people kind of went, oh, when she kind of went in the direction she went. Um, so uh, I asked her for a title for this poem and she kind of went, uh, let's call it Messy Hair. So this is Messy Hair by Rhiannon Fields. Uh, before we share Rhiannon's poem with you, um, I just want to thank Rhiannon Fields for letting us showcase her work. Thank you to my co-hosts Hannah and Laurie, to Jake Wild Hall and Amy Aker for joining us, to Texas Radio for our theme music and to you for listening. We hope Billy is better. We hope Billy is better. Mm. Bye. 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 This one's um, a little bit softer than I normally would, but I just got my first boyfriend. My hair is messier than it's ever been. Yeah. <laughs> he runs his fingers through it and destroys my perfectly formed curls. He plays with it and makes it frizzy. He pulls it and ruins the shape. My friends have noticed. They say stuff like, your hair looks wild. But I say, you mean messy. No one had touched my hair for so long. It was close to perfect. <laughs> but you came along with the urge to mess it up. <laughs> and I've never cared less. I've never enjoyed it being messy so much. 
I've never been thrilled by people pointing out how bad it looks. <laughs> so, thank you for messing up my hair. <laughs>